Hello and welcome. You are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I'm Dida Jansen. Today we're bringing you another CFRC Airwave YGK Artist-in-Residence Artist Talkback, today with local musician David Parker. On February 2nd, 2024, David joined us in our studios to launch our 2024 residency program, which he presented as an in-person, hands-on, electro-acoustic composition workshop using magnetic cassette tapes to participants. Following the workshop, David also mobilized tape loops created during the workshop to perform a live ethereal soundscape from our studios from 9 to 10 p.m. Listeners can listen to that performance by checking out the Airwave YGK Artist in Residence podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. As an established local musician, David writes, records, produces, and performs both solo work and performs as well in various ensembles. In our conversation today with David, we learn much about his musical career, the work he does alone and with others to produce his various audio projects, while we will also get to listen to some examples of his recordings alongside some of the backstory behind the compositions. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for joining us on February 2nd uh, during your artist residency, which launched the Airwave YGK artist residency for this uh, winter and spring. Really do appreciate the work that you did that day and the absolutely outstanding uh, performance that you did as well. And we'll talk about that uh, uh, in a little while. But before we, um, yeah, before we get to it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work as a professional electronic artist in our community? Sure. Thanks, Dinah. And thanks to CFRC for having me. It was an excellent experience. I loved it. It was a fond memory, a highlight of 2024. Um, uh, my uh, musician, my work as a musician involves all kinds of uh, practices and has evolved a lot as I've been a professional musician for 14 years, but I've been a musician all my life, really, uh, since a teenager. Um, and so I make music nowadays in a, in a variety of, in like, uh, different genres. So I make, I do a singer songwriter kind of thing, uh, called slow man tofu. And then I also make a lot of sound, experimental, um, improvised music, drone, um, uh, instrumental. Yeah. Did I say that? Experimental? Uh, I don't know. Like all sorts of different styles and, and kinds of music. And, uh, I, with a focus on experimentation and, um, I make a lot of music on my own at home in my studio that I'm developing. And then I also like to collaborate and play with a lot of other people as often as I can, um, playing in various ensembles and groups. I find that really inspiring too. So uh, I like to produce music. I like to write music. And um, I think of myself as like a composer, uh, writing a lot of music and creating um, for, for different instruments. I'm a guitarist and singer, but I also play a lot of synthesizers and um, magnetic tapes and uh, random, lots of random objects and electronic equipment. Nice, nice. So you did talk about being a musician basically all your life, at least since uh, being uh, a teenager. 
uh, yeah. What motivated you to really sort of break in? Did you just like pick up a guitar one day and say, I want to do this? Or were you uh, making magnetic tape loops from doing bootleg recordings from radio stations like we did back in the day? How did you get started? Music's always been a part of my life. My parents, my dad especially, was a musician uh, in my life growing up, showing me all kinds of music. And I took piano lessons and guitar lessons as a youth. And as a youth, I started playing punk rock music. And uh, yeah, played and grunge. I was into grunge and punk rock. Uh, and my favorite band as a teenager was Sonic Youth, and who to this day, like I still listen to all of their, all the music of those members, like Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon were big inspirations, uh, along with a lot of other artists pushing boundaries. Um, uh, but I primarily thought of myself as a guitarist and bassist all the way through to my 20s uh, when I started playing with jazz. I played you know, some free jazz uh, with the free jazz group in Montreal. That's when I first learned the upright bass and started branching out and trying different instruments and, and um, expanding my palette. Uh, I took time off from music for a while I was focusing on social justice activism and actually community radio um which led me to halifax nova scotia um where uh, after a few years living there some friends some close friends of mine encouraged me to get like start doing music more seriously they saw that i really cared about it and i hadn't been playing a lot but they kind of encouraged me to kind of get back into it and uh, shortly after that, I moved to Kingston, where I started playing with some great people, including Christiana Clemens, who uh, used to work at CFRC. And we had a band for four years, and she really uh, opened my um, mind to and my ears to a lot of other styles as well. Electronic music and Cosmiche music, which is like kraut rock, German kind of Krautrock. What was that? What was that band name? Fire Moss, and there's still posters up, Fire Moss gigs at CFRC. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, it sounds like, uh, you're. yeah, you've been learning new instruments and uh, taking a lot of influences from your peers along the way, too, and developing new styles and techniques as well. Um, yeah, so I'd like to dive into a little bit more work about the stuff you do uh, to put in work into each of your performances and recordings, because you, you mentioned that you're, uh, you have a home studio and stuff. Can you, can you break it down for us? Like, how do you prepare for performances and, and your recordings, depending on whether you're going to be doing really cool electro electronic sound or you're you're doing work as uh, with the collaborators that you work with or you are uh, making new stuff for slow man tofu let's hear a little bit more about what the day-to-day -day kind of looks like for you in terms of preparing and and making things happen sure uh each project there's so many projects on the go or projects that i've done in the past and each one has been different. Um, and in fact, I I don't think I, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I like to not do the same thing twice. I like to keep pushing and trying new things to sort of try them on for size and feel if, see if they fit. So that it goes for performances and that goes for recording sessions. So for example, currently I'm planning a recording session in Montreal with a good friend, Graham Beverly, where we're both going to be playing guitars 
And we've done this a little bit in the past and previously have played as a trio um, with another guitarist, Liam Fenton. But uh, we're planning to do a film shoot in a loft. So right now I'm just listening to our old recordings and preparing my guitar setup and um, just planning it out, finding like video videographers and projectionists and stuff. So that's one thing that's on the go. Or another thing that's on the go is um, I did an artist residency at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts in Kingston. And I got two, I spent two and a half days just writing new material on my own. And then I spent a half day bringing in three other musicians to collaborate and improvise as a quartet with me, with no real instructions, just going in as sort of an improvised creation period. And we recorded everything and we're currently working on releasing it. So I created some album artwork. We titled the songs. I mixed and mastered them. And now I'm working with a poet in Kingston named Billy Kearns or Billy the Kid, who's writing some poetry to accompany it. And we're creating a mixtape and like looking around for labels to release it. So at that point, at this point of the project, it's a lot of emailing and just, you know, it, like a lot of admin, not as exciting as the actual creation. <laughs> Um, so those are two examples. Uh, I grant writing actually takes up a bunch of time or thinking about grants or applying to things. Uh, I did a performance recently that was really good uh, at next. Well, I was really happy with it went really well. Um, and it was organized by no static, which uh, you'll know about because it's a it's also a radio show on CFRC. And um, I did something new that I hadn't done, or at least, well, I did. Yeah, I did something new. Um, in the sense that I sang a few songs and played them on the guitar. And then I did kind of an ambient soundscape for about 20 minutes, which was field recordings, um, a tape loop and a synthesizer and a no input mixing board, which is a, a kind of instrument that uses feedback loops to create different tone pitches and rhythms and stuff. I heard about that show. Wasn't there something about a live tattoo happening there too? Oh, uh, that was an excellent gig. Uh, that was back in August. Um, okay, yeah. a different one. A different okay. show by the same promoters, by No Static. And uh, yeah, that was an excellent uh, show as well. That was, uh... so yeah, I learned a lot. Of... <laughs> that was a noise gig. And I didn't know a lot about the noise music genre um, before that night. And yeah, there was an excellent artist who did a, uh a live tattoo session <laughs> so noise of the buzz of a tattoo uh machine and uh maybe some groaning at the same time <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome awesome so yeah you've got a lot of really great stuff uh in in a pretty deep catalog of music and and as as we've talked about already today david uh quite a quite a mix of genres as well uh, we've got a lot of music that we can play today, too. I wonder if you can introduce a couple of songs for us that um, really um, speak to uh, speak to some of the work that you've been doing and where you'd like to see your oeuvre go from here. Okay. We should play in variant form of The Intuitable World. Uh, that's a song from a 2023 release of mine called Witch's Butter, which is the name of a type of mushroom. Um, that was a release that I started working on in 2021 for the tape recorder before the field recorder. Um, it's all made on a computer and it's 
it's a layering of heavily distorted guitars and software synthesizers. This is before I ever purchased my first synthesizer. And uh, it's sort of inspired by Sun O and sort of the drone, the heavy metal drone that you hear in some bands like Sun O and Earth and uh, others. Those were two big influences for me for that album, which I released last year and went on a small tour with an ensemble to perform them with, although it's all the music's all tracked alone at home. Um, I performed it with a group, which was really, really nice and special. Um, so the title of that song comes from a book of obscure early 20th century philosophy. Uh, Edmund Husserl is a German phenomenologist and uh, the he coined that term. It, it wasn't meant to be a coinable term. It's just part of a phrase when he's describing the way we experience the world and how there's certain things about the way we experience it that are always the same, although it's hard to explain. Uh, that's the a phrase I he could I never heard and I I liked it and it's got a word which doesn't quite exist like intuitable I don't know if that's actually an English word word it's translated from German. <laughs> Amazing, all right. So let's dive right in now for invariant form of the intuitable world. We'll be back with David Parker in just a few moments.
All right, David, we are back. Thank you so much for sharing this wonderful music with us. And uh, and I love that you continue to come back to CFRC and work with us on varying projects. And, and you've been in our studios many times, I believe. And, and there's some really great stuff that you actually did uh, recently as well um, within the last six months or so with the um, live sessions crew right here on CFRC, where you also did a performance live in our studio too. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was great. Um, nothing but good things to say about the CFRC live sessions crew. So fun, um, really easy. And uh, they reached out to me and um, I came in and we did, I did an interview with Rue and uh, there were two videographers and or yeah and a photographer or maybe someone was doing double duty um and there was Cindy Gibson was there doing the audio recording along with others and um I got I was really well supported and they, and Rue had done her research and asked good questions and it was fun um I just played my synth a synth called a microcorg and I played it through a pedal which is a delay pedal and I sang a few notes into a microphone and suddenly 20 minutes were over and that's like, I just sort of improvised up a song. I had, I had released an album of, of jams on the microcorg, um, and I don't know, called music versus capitalism, mm -hmm. which is a series of tapes, but that album is called music versus capitalism and it's released by vacancy records. And, uh, so I was kind of just playing something along that vein, that kind of, that kind of that kind of uh, feeling, that kind of vibe. Although the album also includes a drum machine, there's no drum machine in the live session, um, just because I'm kind of working with different concepts of rhythm now and like trying to break out of that. But yeah, it was great. It was so fun. I'm really proud of it. And I'm gonna put that CFRC live session video from YouTube onto my website. I have to do that soon. Amazing. And it is currently up on CFRC's website, as well as the live sessions YouTube page, too. So anybody who wants to check out the video of that wonderful footage can do so. But uh, yes, uh, we'll talk about where to find you uh, shortly, too, and where to find uh, your deep catalog of amazing stuff shortly as well, David. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your recorded work uh, as well. Like, are there underlying themes that sort of string along even across genres and, and across projects or are things sort of stand alone? Tell us a little bit about the body of work overall. I often try to come up with a concept that kind of explains or describes what I'm doing in a particular project, um, maybe because each project is so unique, I think it's helpful to reach people that way when you can kind of latch onto something and understand something about it. And so each project, because it, I take a lot of care and thought um, for it, it's important to me to have some kind of concept or theme or statement or meaning or message um to accompany it and um rarely do i sit back and ask myself the question you just asked me which is is there an overarching like overall theme that grounds everything so that is a good question um off the top of my head i'm not sure what it would be but i could point to 
what I was just mentioning, alluding to the music versus capitalism, um, that's a, a concept that's been underlying the last few kind of instrumental releases I've done, like small, small run releases. Um, it's sort of this concept that financially it doesn't make sense to be a musician. <laughs> it, uh, it can be a real struggle to find a way to have music be a sustainable part of your day-to-day -day life. And sometimes I think of that as a struggle and, um, but like a, well, yeah. So that's where that title comes from. It's sort of like, it's a sort of a battle against like cultural forces that would kind of beat you down and prevent you from fulfilling your, like pursuing your true calling or your, your, whatever it is that drives you or motivates you, whether it's music or something else. That's what, that's what that means. Um, yeah. And that's been around for a few years, like two or three years in the last few small run releases um, that, theme kind of permeates them all and that's why i've labeled them like volumes one through seven of music versus capitalism <laughs> but the last like, i'm only at volume four or so four or five i don't know um but yeah so maybe that's one thing i, I also think another thing that undergirds everything is community and music uh as essentially not like a isolating process but something that brings people together and all my a lot of my fondest memories in music and in life are gigs and shows and performances where people get together and have a shared experience. And those have been really formative events for me that have set me on a creative path that I really cherish and, and value. And it's also created really lasting, memorable friendships and bonds with other people. So to me, community and togetherness is an important foundational concept that drives me to create music is sort of connection and other people. Awesome. So with that in yeah. mind, then, uh, of some of the music that we have from you, what what speaks most to you um, in terms of the songs that we have to play today uh, in terms of that sense of community? That's a good question. And I think we should play one of the ones of uh, called the Starlight Electric. So this is also this is also unreleased and we hope to release it soon. But this is that quartet that I mentioned earlier. So um, myself, Chantel Thompson on voice, uh, Jonas Benetta from Port William Sound, which is a recording studio north of Kingston uh, on synthesizers. And then Stefan Christoph from Montreal on piano. And I'm singing and playing guitar and percussion. Chantel's playing percussion too. So the, we we may we have these th five songs, um, and I've shared three of them here. Maybe song two or three. So weavings in forever or extrapolate, I think would be ones to pick. So why don't we go with the Starlight Electric weavings in forever? Yeah. So let's have a listen to Starlight Electric. So real sense of community feel in here, bringing some artists together, uh, doing a lot of impro improvisation and experimentation. And yeah, we'll talk about the song in just a few minutes when we come back. So here's Starlight Electric, Weavings in Forever. Thank you. 
All right, David. So yes, the Starlight Electric, Weavings in Forever. That was absolutely beautiful. This is a collaborative project that you did at the Isabel with a number of other folks that you brought in uh, during your artist residency there, uh, I believe last fall. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about this particular track and its construction. It was sort of the second last one we did. Um, we only had four hours together and many, like none of them had met each other. So I had mentioned Chantel Thompson, Jonas Benetta, Stefan Christoph, and myself. I, I gathered this group of musicians, all of whom I had wanted to work with more, but found it difficult to find the time or a way to make it happen. Um, so this was a golden opportunity to bring them all together, but none of them had played together before. And I was excited right. about that. And my plan for the residency was to come up with completely new things um, and do something completely new involving. And when I applied for the grant, I said I was going to use some new equipment. I didn't actually buy that equipment until after the residency with the money from the residency. So I didn't actually quite do the thing with new equipment. I did have new equipment, but nothing like that new or not the particular piece that I had envisioned. Um, in the end, it wasn't about any one piece of equipment. Um, and mm -hmm. it was my project, but I wanted to invite each of the quartet, like the musicians to participate in the writing and ideating about what we should do during our time together. So we had four or five hours and time was running out. And like, as we kept playing, we kept getting into what each other was do was doing more and um, like riffing on each other and kind of getting into the same groove. So uh, I mixed and mastered all the tracks in in sequential order from the first one to the last one. And then when we picked the album order, we reversed it. So the one where we are the most together is the first one. And so we listened to Weavings in Forever, which was the second one. So we did this right before the final jam. Um, so we were, Jonas had been collecting some of the percussion sounds that Chantel and I were making. Chantel has this huge, great, selection of percussion instruments and she and I had been playing them a little bit here and there and he was taking us playing it because he had a line input from my board and he was um, like looping it and affecting it with an into an amp coming out of an amp so it had this nice crisp feel and um, so we were playing with some repeating rhythmic textures that we had kind of made as a group so, which was really neat. And then so uh, Stefan was just playing the piano and Chantel and I were like loosely singing together and apart. And then I played the guitar here and there. And yeah, I feel like we were just sort of getting into a groove that Jonas was like more and more capturing better and better. Yeah. And that's what you hear on this one. Okay, so thank you so much for that, David. Now, I wonder if we can jump into... Uh, your thoughts on the electronic music scene in Kingston and and maybe the music scene overall, but particularly the electronic scene and and what excites you most about it and where you hope it's going? Mm, that's a good question. Um, it takes people, and I think that's what I'm most excited about is people. Um, <laughs> uh, it just takes people to 
be there. And um, that's what excites me most is that when people are there. Um, well, it sounded like like you got to do this uh, a couple of times, I guess, with No Static, uh, hosted by uh, Mike Bulos, who does No Static here on CFRC, getting uh, uh, folks together and bringing them into a space to really just uh, play similar kinds of music or or experiment with each other, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that stuff's really great. And and uh, Michael and Chance, who are in a band called Pity the Heel, um, are really promoting a lot of different kinds of music right now, but especially noise music, um, which is great to see because, um, you know, when you want to have a scene in your in your town, you sort of have to create it. And they're doing that. It's really neat to see. There's other people who do that too, for other genres. And I mean, I'll, I guess I'll be honest, I, I'm not so, I don't know the electronic scene or what people might think of as the electronic scene in Kingston very well. Like I have a lot more experience say in the electroacoustic scene. So maybe like mm -hmm. Matt Rogalski and Tone Deaf Music Festival. I mean, the Tone Deaf Music Festival would often have electronic artists, but they would also have indie artists or experimental or soundscape or ambient or... Uh, like but with Graham's but with Graham's departure from Kingston tone deaf is no longer at this point too is that my understanding that's correct it is no longer um so a, a concert and workshop series that I was working with in the last year was called here and it's a an improvised music uh workshop series and and I think I would more identify in that scene but the scene is what you make it like a scene doesn't exist and I find in Kingston a scene doesn't exist until someone comes along and says, I'm going to do it. And here's the show. And um, you know, hopefully they do it in a good way. And it's a positive experience for everybody. And then and then there's a scene. But then if that person leaves or if no one does that, then there's no scene or it can feel like there's no scene. And in fact, Rue and I talked about this at CFRC, too. And I was just trying to say, like, sometimes I don't feel like there's much of a scene, but I I can't speak about the electronic scene because I think that like you have other artists in this series, like Matt Almeida and uh, like Laura Kelly. So like DJs who do a lot more like DJing and Matt Almeida does electronic music much more like then I don't, right. I don't really identify. Like I've never been to a show that I would say is like an electronic music. I mean, that's not, but that's part of that scene. I don't, I don't know that scene very well. I'd like to build bridges, um, but I'm more familiar with like the indie scene, um, like the, and so that's an improvised music uh, because of the workshop series, but also uh, through 12 cat and the Artel from the like mid, you know, I like, I moved to Kingston in 2012. So I was around at the Artel for a few years, putting on shows and playing at shows, which were indie shows. And then fire Moss, band I mentioned was more like drone and cosmiche I played the upright bass Christiana played a synthesizer or a synthesizer so it was kind of electronic but it wasn't traditional electronic it was more experimental and drone and instrumental and like new almost new classical which I never would have used to describe myself but actually I released an album that got put in CFRC in 2014 and Cameron Willis the music coordinator classified it as um contemporary classical and I thought whoa I didn't know I made contemporary classical music but I guess I do and it is and since then I like have an, an appreciation for that genre so 
genres are can be like helpful for someone to understand what you're doing, but they don't always capture what you're doing. So that's why I say I don't feel like even though I make music, which is with a lot of electronic instruments, I'm not really necessarily part of an electronic scene. Well, I guess that's a problem with just, you know, capping electronic music as a singular genre because it's not much like metal music has what 50 or 60 derivatives under one umbrella, right? So electronic music can be pretty much anything that might use got some kind of electronic basis and and you do this on a regular basis with your own work, right? So but if you're not, yeah, you don't, you're not necessarily aligning yourself with uh, the DJs who might be playing at Trinity every Friday night or something, but you're more into the indie kind of scene as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. And uh, yeah, yeah, I hope that, I hope that's a, a helpful description of, of how I see it. And, and I, I yeah. hope I'm, yeah. And I want to say like, kudos to all the musicians out there from all the genres and it's not to say like one scene's better than another i certainly wouldn't want to say mm -hmm. that or that there needs to be divisions like in some ways the more we can all get together and put our collective efforts together to create vibrant community the better and so it doesn't have to be a division it, it doesn't need to be separate as as scenes they just end. oh but yeah but but there's so many collaborative opportunities mm. and ways to just even learn from each other too. Mm -hmm. Like you would be able to meet up with somebody who does, uh, you know, really cool stuff with Ableton Live Productions, for example, while you might be doing stuff with magnetic tape loops and you can teach each other these things just by simply having conversations and, hey, let's meet up and uh, experiment together too. It's mm -hmm. a, So the scene itself in terms of the scene I think Kingston actually provides that kind of opportunity. It is a real, it is a nice small community where there are opportunities uh, at various venues and events for people to just meet up and, and begin those collaborations. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Awesome. Now. Um, so, so I wonder then too, so CFRC is, has been uh, engaged in our artist residency project, the Airwave YGK artist residencies and our beginner level DJ workshops as well. Um, but we've also been supporting local musicians uh, uh, for, for many, many years, uh, bringing them into the studios to uh, do live shows, uh, doing interviews to promote upcoming concerts, things like that. I wonder if you might be able to talk about the importance of campus community radio uh, overall, CFRC in particular, but overall, because you've lived in other cities too. Uh, the importance of campus community radio and supporting local artists like you who uh, are trying to uh, establish themselves and support themselves as musicians. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, very, very, uh, it's an, it's a crucial, it's a great asset. It's a crucial asset. And uh, I'm so happy it's there. Um, I got into campus community radio before I started making music like professionally or like um, having a go at professional music. Like I had said, I had, I had played music and as a teenager and in my twenties and found a lot of joy in it. And also in my twenties, uh, I moved to Montreal to study at university. And that's when I got turned on to, cause I grew up in Belleville, Ontario. So close to Kingston. And we didn't really have 
campus community radio. We had a campus radio at Loyalist College, which is very different in tone and in content than what happened when I got to Montreal and I heard CKUT from radio from McGill, which was playing all kinds of wild stuff um, and local music and the Montreal music scene is huge and great and diverse. And uh, I was really into the news though, early on with campus radio, I was really into like, I was getting news that was relevant to me. There was a lot of talks and events that I wanted to go to, but didn't have time to go to. But then on campus radio news, I would get recaps of all the things I was interested in, how they had gone. And I would hear audio from them and, and uh, it was a great in the mornings on the morning show. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Stefan Christoph, who we heard playing the piano. So he was the the person I would often hear the next morning on, on CKUT <laughs> summarizing the events from the previous day because he was set, always out there recording. And um, so I got into campus community radio. I understood it as an excellent resource for musicians, but my primary draw, well, that was a big draw, but another draw was the news and and the talk radio and hearing people like uh, get on the radio and do what they wanted to do. That concept didn't even exist for me in Belleville. Like the radio was just like in Belleville, it was just felt like it was just advertising to me. And it was sort of like noise. It was background noise, but then suddenly like the radio was a rich, and this is sort of like early 2000s. I'm, I'm dating myself here. So it was sort of, you know, the internet's there, but radio was the way I got my news, you know, and found out about stuff. So it was great. So uh, I worked in community radio um, as a spoken word coordinator, doing current affairs and news programming in Halifax, well, as a volunteer in Montreal, and then at CKDU in Halifax as a job for four years. Um, and it was only at the end of that time that I started thinking, oh, you know what, I should start recording, like writing music and performing and recording. So when I moved to Kingston is when I started doing that. And then CFRC, I approached in that way um, and was always interested in involving myself at CFRC in a way where I could kind of dovetail my interests in community radio with my interests in expanding my music, like making more music. Um, and uh, well, yeah, over the years, like it's helped with gigs. Uh, like I've met a lot of great people through community radio. Um, I shouldn't make mention like Nevin Lockhead was really great. Uh, and Cameron Willis, I had mentioned and Christiana and and you and Chance and Michael Bulos and uh, like dozens of other people over the years, you know, have all been really great in helping support me and all the other musicians who are just trying to just trying to do it try to make music all right so thank you for your thoughts on campus community radio overall and uh yeah love that uh you continue to be involved with some of cfrc's projects uh through the years too and uh, of course cfrc remains very proud to support uh um, awareness about upcoming events and and bringing in local artists to into our studios and and being able to provide space for them to uh, talk about stuff and and the pandemic actually that like it became uh, quite difficult during the pandemic for local artists to really you know uh, stay alive because nobody was able to work I, w I wonder if you want to just talk a little bit about the impact of the 
pandemic on your work as an artist. Through our conversation, you talked a lot about spending a lot of time doing the creativity, but what about performances and stuff? What were you doing at during the pandemic and all the lockdowns? Um, during the lockdowns, I was not performing, that's for sure. Um, and I was also not going to any performances and performances weren't happening <laughs> except for online. Yeah. And I did see, you know, I think I saw two online performances. I could have seen more, but, you know, I was raising a kid. Um, yeah, I, I saw some online performances. I think I, the city was sort of helpful. The city gave me a nice, um, performance opportunity. It's like socially distanced out down in market square. I, I loved it. It was like, it was, I loved it. It was great. Just, just an afternoon gig in the market square. I got this really nice, the really nice sound person and the sound was really bouncing and reverberating off all the buildings down there. And I got to just play my classical guitar for an hour and a really memorable moment. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, otherwise, like I, I had plans to, I had released an album of singer songwriter material in like, uh, the plan was to re release it April, 2020. I did release it then, but I had to cancel the tour. I had to cancel all the gigs. I had to cancel all my plans to play it. And, uh, so it really ixnade that, like it really like crushed that whole like album campaign completely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was like, the furthest thing from anyone's mind because it was the pandemic and the lockdowns and stuff. And I was just sort of rolling with the punches and uh, I had other work to sustain me financially, you know, um, and lots of other obligations and responsibilities to keep myself busy and lots of good books to read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just rolled with it and started writing I was lucky to, that's kind of when I started developing my home studio because I realized I needed to be able to be creative at home. So my friend Liam Fenton lent me his drum set. I eventually bought it from him and it's here now. So I started, like I started writing music on the drums and just writing and writing and writing and recording and getting, you know, playing records, playing a lot of records at home, just being inspired by music in a more like isolated way. Cause we were all isolated and um, yeah, it was very fruitful. Um, the pressure to perform was taken off. Um, performance is like sometimes, especially if you're organizing your own gigs, uh, it's like 80% admin and promotion and management and, and like 20% art, you know, <laughs> sometimes like it, it so it's not always worth it like it can be nicer just to like make art um uh so you know i kind of leaned into that and focused on that while that was my that was the option that's what i could do and i grew a lot from it i think like if you compare what i was doing then to what i'm doing now it's really wildly different and maybe there's things that tie it all together aesthetically but i think Process-wise, things have really changed a lot, and I'm really happy with where they're at now. Awesome. 
All right. So now you did your workshop for the Airwave YGK Artist in Residency project on February 2nd. And folks can listen to the live performance that you also did that same evening following your workshop on our on our podcasts on Spotify and and Apple Music for the Airwave YGK project. I wonder if you can uh, just talk a little bit about what you did at this workshop. I remember by, or coming to your home and picking up a lot of pedals and things and all sorts of equipment and stuff. And some of these things, I don't even know what this device is. This is really cool. And and you had a massive table. Folks can go see, check out some of the photos on our Instagram, too. T tell us about the workshop and what people were actually doing and some of the the the, the things that they were using uh, during your workshop. Sure. Um, the workshop was was a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, a highlight for me of the year so far. Um, it was a small but very enthusiastic and motivated uh, group of participants. And I loved it. Uh, yeah, we I. You know, I had a lot of different ideas of what we could do, and I just wanted to make sure that what ended up happening was what participants wanted, and at least in some way, um, because different participants might want a different thing. Because I thought of maybe we could have a group jam, group improv, or maybe we could um, have an artist talk, or maybe we could, like, I could show, like, demonstrate and teach kind of my method. And that's sort of what mm -hmm. we did. I kind of demonstrated, I gave a short artist talk, a bit of the rationale or a bit of my history. And then we, and then we got into like how to, how to do what I do. And so uh, part of it was just kind of explaining all the equipment I had and the way it was routed. And, mm -hmm. and part of it was um, cutting, opening up tape cassettes and cutting them and then taping them into a continuous loop will never an endless loop like an endless tape so it just never stops playing it just keeps looping over the same bit and um so some of the other i had a mixer i had some guitar pedals i had a synthesizer and i had my tape recorder which is also a mixer and then i had another mixer which is also a recording device to capture the whole thing on record on, like to re record it all um and I had my guitar and a guitar amp, you know, and these are some of the tools I use at home when I'm, when I'm composing, I like to compose in the moment with everything on. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so everything's within reach. And sometimes the guitar is there. Sometimes I'm singing, you know, there's only so many things you can do because you only have two hands. Um, but a lot of these instruments, um, are useful for this, like, um, concept in music composition of generative music. So generative music uh, is like common in electronic, I guess. And in electronic, like there's a lot of electronic instruments that you can set up with a few parameters and then they just go. And uh, you can alter those parameters over time, but the instrument sort of plays itself to put it in sort of a, maybe a facetious way. Like the, the, the composer gives a set of rules or instructions to something almost like a computer and it just acts on it. And there's, you could introduce randomness or randomness could be a part of the instruction. Um, and that's sort of some of the concept that I bring to this process. So different elements are making different sounds. And with the tape cassette, it's a four track recorder. So I could have four different sets of sounds 
all playing continuously, but then I'm also mixing other sounds into it, like a synthesizer or like my pre-recorded field recordings of the woods or my son playing. And then I also might pick up my guitar and hit a few notes, which could get recorded onto the loop, or it could be processed into my guitar pedal, which is also a looper. Um, you know, that kind of thing. The synthesizer has an audio input, so I could play the guitar into the synth, but I don't. But um, all these things are happening at once, and I'm just kind of slightly, lightly adjusting things here and there. And then the overall result is sort of a soundscape or like a, a composition. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and tell us more about that, because uh, immediately after the workshop, you went right live to air too and uh, played absolutely beautiful, beautiful sounds over the airwaves that evening. And and folks, again, can uh, check it out on our podcast as well and perhaps on, on David's website soon enough too. Uh, but yeah, tell us a little bit about what you actually played on the air immediately after your workshop using some of the artifacts that you developed with the crew that or the participants that day. Um, yeah, we, we cut some tape loops and we tried some of them and some of them worked and others broke. The one I made broke. You have to get the tension right on the tape in order for it to play back and not destroy itself when you put it in your mm -hmm. machine. So one of them destroyed and then another one worked half the time and then another one worked fairly well. Um, but I don't remember which one we used for the actual performance. I brought some loops with me that are a bit more tried and tested and, and will work more reliably. It's part of that failure that I liked the sound of. Like, I like it when the tapes start breaking down and degrading. It's part of the aesthetic. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, the participants joined me in the performance. So we had Michael Castiles on violin and we had Michael Bulos and Chancellor on no input mixing board. So they had brought their own instruments and were playing those into the mixer, to my mixer, and we captured the whole thing. Um, it, Michael and Michael had two different styles, um, you know, and I have a different style, and we all have a different style. And so it was like a meeting somewhere in the middle. And um, I think in the first, it was an hour long, it was an hour in duration. And I think the first half is more melodic and gentle. And then the second half is uh, more like textural and noise based with like mm -hmm. pops and blips and and staccato, more staccato um, here and there. And uh, yeah, it was totally uh, a trip. It was fun. So, so <clears throat> what is it that, so with that kind of music that you produced again, collaboratively, from the when you're actually listening to that whole hour, what is it that just really speaks to you about this particular style? What is it that really attracts you? Because there's, you know, like there's a lot of noise, there's some crunch, there's little bips and boops and, and random things here and there. Different than, you know, your standard song where you're going to, you know, hear maybe some folks playing various bars, particular tempo, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's something different going on in the kind of music that you actually performed that day that is not your standard song structure, if you will. What is it that's really freaking awesome about it? 
Hmm. Uh, I like uh, the concept of deep listening, and uh, this is kind of a practice and an ethos, and it's a, it's also a hot term. Um, thanks to Pauline Oliveros, I should mention, you know, she's a great thinker and she has a book of sonic meditations and has influenced uh, electronic music and improvised music a lot. Um, so she has this concept of deep listening and I, that, that kind of drives a lot of my work. I like that there's lots of layers to be attuned to that Mm -hmm. mutually support each other and that can together convey a feeling that is larger than the sum of any one of its parts. And so they're acting in unison. And uh, um, so, for example, I've been performing now here and there this new work with a lot of field recordings. And I like it when people are listening and their comments are about something that happened in the field recording, like a car drives by or they hear a helicopter or they hear like particular footsteps or something. And like it stands out to them because they're listening to a thing like when I'm performing it I'm not I'm so focused on what I'm performing I I fail it's hard to step back and hear everything at once mm-hmm. and I like the challenge uh, as a composer but I also like the reward of being able to take in everything at once like as a single person if I'm just playing one instrument there's one thing to take in and if I have five things going on at once there's this synchronicity that is like elusive and rewarding I think that's what I like about it I think I I uh, when I think about it as well just as uh, just as a listener and somebody who has no idea about how to to compose and produce any of this kind of stuff I feel like sometimes it like it's a really great way again when you were talking about the deep listening to sort of like get connected to some of those sounds that we otherwise take for granted. Like sometimes when I'm at my house uh, late at night or something, um, I can hear the train quite clearly if it's an otherwise quiet night, right? In the summer, maybe you'll hear a cricket or something like that. But then suddenly there's like a the low drone of the, the, the Highway 401 with the transports going by, but then a train comes along. You might hear a horn or something, but you hear this like, what is this weird rumble that's growing and growing and then suddenly omniscient and then it's gone after a while, punctuated by all of these interesting sounds. I feel like there's a lot of the everyday in some of the work here uh, that you do that sometimes we just take for granted and don't necessarily take time to really enjoy. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, I like that idea. And that is an idea that I read about. I'm always, I'm always listening to new music and the, the, I'm listening to this new album called Casual Now, uh, or, you know, like, uh, the, which, which kind of hits on what you're saying. Like a lot of, a lot of the music I'm inspired by and the music I make sounds like it is, is motivated by the concept you're describing the kind of nowness and like attunement to the present moment the sort of meditative quality or the sort of everydayness and turning a regular sound into something to contemplate uh and appreciate aesthetically out of its regular context 
like when you remove it and then now it's a piece of art you you framed it you like took like it's an it's a ready made where you frame you take a thing and you framed it and now it's art you know like so it's a thought provoking and and can help you appreciate the beauty of the everyday right and 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 to that end too i'm i'm suddenly reminded uh i don't know the name of the artist but a visual artist who did watercolors and had presented a series of them they uh they sat on the wall at the old sleepless goat many many moons ago and the artist had done a series of watercolors where it was uh, looking the the viewpoint is you looking at the windscreen of a car and sometimes the the painting would look like uh the blur of lots of raindrops or something on your windshield while you're stuck in traffic on the 401 which is an otherwise like tedious and mundane and terrible experience on the day-to-day -day. but the paintings themselves were like wow not only are these well done but at the same time you've captured a moment that everybody can really just understand right mm -hmm. anyway so thank you so much for sharing so much uh with us uh during your artist residency too uh, before we close today, though, David, yes, I'd love to, love to be able to play some more music from you, which we'll talk about before we close. But before that, I wonder how folks can find you and stay up to date with your work, how they can find your recordings, how they can purchase some of your music, how they stay up to date with the latest news and what's happening in the world of David Parker. You can find some of my albums for sale at Something Else Records downtown if you want to support, if people want to support me that way. That's great. I really value that. I post all of my kind of like polished, finished releases on Bandcamp currently, and things might change, but um, that's my favorite way to release music. So you can look there to get a more complete history and not complete, but a more expansive history. Um and then I have a website, it's dparker.ca. You can also find some of my music on Spotify and the other streaming platforms, but only a smaller, only which is butter. Um, you could sign up to my newsletter, um, which you can sign up on my website. Again, it's dparker.ca. There's a newsletter sign up field at the bottom. You can also follow me on Bandcamp. Then you get my messages and my releases when they come right, right as soon as they come out um and slow man tofu at on instagram yeah and then i'm on social media so on instagram and facebook so on instagram i'm slow man tofu and then on facebook i have a page called dirty clothes music and that's the best those are also have all my all my latest stuff okay so before we close i think we might have time for one more song david uh what do you think what are we going to play next yeah okay let's go out with another group song it's called last spot hope dreams and it's from my most recent release on Bandcamp. the release is called emotional research and it features myself on guitar uh liam cole on drums and del steven on synths and guitars awesome all right well thank you david for joining us here today on cfrc to chat about all of your uh, work and uh, sharing so much with us and providing us with so many insights and details into uh, the wonderful collaborative opportunities that you've had, 
uh, your experiences as a musician and, and also talking to us more about the work that you did also with the Airwave YGK uh, Artist Residency. We look forward to having you back at the station in the near future with uh, more interesting projects that you're coming up with as well here locally and uh Yes, hopefully we'll see uh, some new recordings and things that we can also start playing again, too. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you, Dinah.
Thank you.